here with Reckmeister Harmonies, JR and Esther, and they're in Brooklyn. I can hear in the background New York City sirens, which is just a wonderful sound. I love it. I miss home. I'm happy I'm not there right now, but I still miss it. And I'm in really, I'm in the middle of, there's a storm, a hurricane here right now. It's sunny right now, but there was a hurricane earlier. So it's like ridiculously humid. So I'm just like sweaty as fuck. Um, I've been putting myself in the mood to talk to you guys. I have been listening to the records all, all day. I mean, I listen to them regularly. You, two of your albums are on my, I just have like a standard on like on my Spotify. I have like maybe 20, I don't know, 20, 30 albums just regularly downloaded that like never leave. And they're always there when I'm on a plane or when I'm just in the mood, when I want to go there, when I'm writing or something, when I'm sad, when I'm meditating. Um, so I've listened to your records I mean, the, la the, the most recent one I've listened to probably, probably like not exaggerating, like a hundred times front to back. Wow. I, that's more, that's more than I have. <laughs> I'll just have it on. Like, yeah. I'll just leave it and I'll just put it on loop. And I just go with the, the, the flow of it, the energy of it. You I'm construct glad. that so beautifully. Well, thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad it's working out for you. And, um, <laughs> it's always surprising to hear when, you know, people have these kind of reactions to to the stuff we're doing. Yeah, it makes me really happy to hear that. You say surprising. What makes it surprising? Well, I mean, I don't think it's like a normal human experience for somebody to say like, uh, "Oh, hey, you know, something you're doing is really." Uh, you know, really inspiring me and working out for me. And I, I really appreciate what, you, you know, what you're doing for me. Unless it's like, you know, unless you're like a really good parent to a child or a really good partner to someone. I mean, so outside of those two things, I don't think you really hear, you hear that too often. So it's nice to hear it. Thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, I see it as I totally hear that. But what I get from the work is that it's so intricately composed mm -hmm. that you, I mean, I feel that you're hyper aware of the effect of it. I, I think of, um, I think we read a lot of the same things. I'm not positive, but I just like, I think so. And, you know, I, I, I love, I've said this, I talk about this all the time, just like the aphorism of, you know, uh, in transcendental style that understanding is above expression sure and i feel that in what you do <laughs> that it's not just like riffing it's not just uh these are you know it's not just sounds it's not just th there's a lot of like really deep stuff like really heavy music and uh, and film and painting and writing that often i'll get i'll hear from the artist and they'll just be like you know what i, I just was you know that's how I felt that morning. And like, that's what it came out as. Hmm. I yeah. don't think that's you. I have no idea, but. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think a, a great deal of thought goes into what we're, what we're doing and what we're trying to say. 
Like, okay. I, I know we, we spend a lot of time purposely constructing the pieces. They don't just kind of tumble out of us. Right. You know, there is, there is something to be said, though, you know, like an underlying narrative in what you're just saying. It's like, you know, true art comes from within, right? Comes from, comes from, yes, you yes. know, the comes from within you, right? It can't be something that's staged or, or conjured. You can't even conjure it up. It just has, it has to happen. It has to come from out of nowhere and you have to be the conduit. And you have to be willing to, you know, willing to be that conduit and willing to listen and hear and be able to process that and respect it and put it, give it some thought and some consideration and put it out. You know, there is something I, I get it when people say, oh, I don't know what happened. I just woke up and it came out. Mm -hmm. like, I get that, that, that I understand that it's not like a, like a foreign concept to me, but I, I would say that there's probably a little bit more involved the process is a little bit more involved if you want to pay attention to it, you know, where did, where did that come from? You know, right. why does, why does it resonate with you? I see so much of, I mean, it's really like you're right. It's my, it's my record of the year last year. Uh, it's, I can chart my year with it. The emotions, the um, like things that, I, I can map my life events through the first few singles coming out and then hearing the whole thing together. I listened like, like it all happened with someone and there was an arc to it. Wh where do you, in your process and, and this might, you know, this is so, this is so ineffable, of course, a lot of it, but what comes, you know, what, what sort of, is there a typical order of things is there a central idea that comes to you and then you build the rest? Is there a sound that is, is in your head and then you fit it into something? You're walking around the streets and ideas pop in. How does, how does the, the construction of, an, of a record like that begin think, for you? I think the construction of it comes from, you know, just listening, listening to what I was just, you know, referring to before is like paying attention, sure. paying attention to, to, you know, the silence that's within you, trying to pay attention to that and just trying to be in touch with whatever is going to present itself. And then taking that and just, and just sitting with it and living with it. And as, as you do that, things start to present themselves and a natural order begins to appear. And it can't be, it can't be, that natural order can't be, like, you can't fuck with it, really. You, you can, right. but it's, when you fuck with it, it ends up being, like, kind of a colossal, you know, waste of time, because you just end up going back to the original, the original thing, anyway. And then, so that's my process. Esther, Esther has a completely different process. What's that like? Um, usually, JR... JR will present something to me and then I'll listen to it and I'll respond and then he'll talk to me about what is going through his mind while he's playing it and I'll tell him what's going through my mind when I'm playing it and we just, I just, that's kind of where it goes. I just mentally go to that place and 
respond to what he's doing. Do you share those ideas? When you think of, you know, an idea to articulate, is it sonic? Is it thematic? Is it the book that is this? Is it the middle of it? How do you communicate those ideas? It's all of those things. It's all of those things. And we communicate, you know, we communicate them in, in, in individual, you know, components. And then we also just kind of communicate them just through, through like exercise, like through working, working on a piece, you know, like I know, I, I just, I just have like inherent trust in whatever Esther is going to come up with. I just know it. I just like it's a, it's like a, it's like a, it's it's not even a question that whatever I present her to present to her that she's going to only make it better. That she's only gonna she's only gonna take my idea out to a place where I have I was like I didn't I didn't fucking see that I, you know that's Love what that. I mean by like this whole yeah, yeah. and it's just, it's like so by opening myself. To, to the process and then inviting her into the process, it becomes even, it becomes, you know, even more rewarding, right? But there has to be that trust, right? There has to be that trust with the person that you're collaborating with. Because I've done it, I've done it ways where it's like, you're just telling somebody what to do, mm-hmm. telling them what you want to hear. And they either get it or they don't, you, and you don't care either way. It's because it's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll use it yeah. or I won't. But with with Esther, it's not that's not the process at all. It's just like there's like an inherent trust there that she understands, and it's like it's not even it's not even language based. You know, it's just like I've got this thing. The Japanese play. will say, you know, the highest form of communication is is not words. It's yeah. the lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Sometimes it just doesn't. I'm not even going to bother explaining what I'm trying to get to. I'm just going to. There would be no form for right. for that. Yeah. Right. It just there's this like this level of trust and you know love for another person, and they you 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 present present the the work to them and then they take it and it's it's you know it's really a rewarding kind of experience. Here's a here's a as you're talking, I'm thinking like there's two ways to look at this process actually. That you have an A to B, and you are. And, and in between A and B is communication and collaboration. And your A is the idea and your B is, you know, the fin- the form, the finished song. And you mm-hmm. communicate and collaborate to get there. And so you transfer something to Esther in whatever way it is that you do that and you've developed that. And she, you know, you trust, when you say you trust her, you trust that she can pick up on those ideas and add to it. There's another way to look at it at, that that I was just thinking about as you're as you're talking when you when you say love. Your B is sort of is, is just one plus one. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily. Uh, and I'm, this is probably what you do. And I and this is just me having this realization as I'm listening to you. You probably are like this is elementary to you. But the the, the B, the goal is actually like you don't necessarily know you're not communicating like directions. You're sharing how you feel inside and she's interpreting that and then she's adding on to it in a way that, you know, 
creates a synthesis of something that could only exist between the two of you and that collaboration rather than I think, yeah, rather than the idea of someone is executing the thing that you want to do so effectively. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that, you know, I, I think that word love is, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're covering all, you know, all the necessary, you know, parts of what I mean by that. And it's like, I love, I, you know, the love comes in the form of like the trust of, of presenting mm -hmm. this, presenting this stuff first and foremost. Second of all, it, the love is present in the acceptance of what is being presented. And then another component of that love is the output that is, that is generated because of the, because of the first, the first two, you know, parts. And it's, that's what makes it rewarding. And that's all, that's ultimately like, you know, you said earlier at the top, it was just like, you know, I've listened to this thing a bunch of times and I, you know, just flippantly say, well, I, I you know, I, I, I don't listen to it. You know, I haven't listened to it that much. Oh, that but, makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but the fact is, it's like, as soon as this, as soon as the, these things are done and recorded and mastered and, you know, you're signed off on it, as soon as it's, it's out on, out there, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to pay attention to it. It's hard for me to listen to it. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, com it's not something like I seek it out and just go like, wow, I'd love to live. I wonder how that one, that one went again. It's just, it's just, it's become, at that point, it's become so, so just like realize that you just don't, I don't want to visit with it anymore. You know? It's yeah, like I a, totally, like a I, I who, have a similar feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's like, I, I, it's, it's almost like I've had too much of your company kind of thing, you know? To me, I see it as, so, like, I, I'm very much, I, I make music, but film is more my, you know, my, I bleed more with film than I do with music. I love my music, but film is, like, it's another level for me, and... I always, I talk about, I make three films when I make one. And the third film is for everybody else. The first one is mine. And that happens in, you know, in my head, in my writing, and that's it. And no one ever really gets to see that film. It never has a corporeal existence. Uh, the second one is a collaboration. It's a closed collaboration with the people, you know, the actors, the crew. And the third is, is for everybody. It's, it's an open collaboration. And that film, I just get to the point that I think it's going to have the effect on the people that I want it to have. And that, and that's it. And then I'm, and then I'm out. Right. So I, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah. Like I have a film that's going to premiere in September and like, I'm just uh, like I don't give a shit. I'm just I mean I do, but like I about it. Give a shit. Yeah. Like you want to know like I'm focused on the next one. Yeah, what kind of reaction people yes. are going to have to your film? You're interested in that? You're interested in how your film is going to do? It's kind of like yeah, it's like that makes sense, right? You know, but I it's just hard. care that it does what it does so that I can make the 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 next thing and like, like this morning i was having a like a pr producer conversation and and yeah like every time it would be going into the other you know i was just like much quicker with my responses on the existing film than i was with the the next film because like that's where my head is at that's where i'm uh I i'm i'm constructing that currently and 
that's but the the previous one i'm almost i'm in service to the viewer at this point so i will i will speak on it as much as it provides service to the the viewer to get the experience that i want them to have but i crave nothing from it anymore yeah. does that make sense yeah of course. Go, going backwards between because this is so i guess for me this is the dream like the way that you two speak of one another and what you do together walk me through as 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 open as you're willing to be you know your your partnership i'd love to learn like you know i see anecdotes i see i see quotes here and there but like how did this generate how did it evolve as in like how did we meet and things like that sure however however you got to this point of of love and trust with with creativity that you're able to it's so it's so powerful you know you you both you know elevated your art together in such a beautiful way and i don't know like how did that happen <laughs> how do you see it as as happening l l less like what's the the timeline and the information more like what was important to you guys that it, it what, what what catalyzed this what connected well i still remember because before I met JR, I never really improvised or play, played much. I never really improvised much. I was just always kind of reading stuff from like a sheet of music. So um, when he asked me to play at this cemetery show, I told them that I, I wasn't sure what to do. So then we just got together and kind of jammed and droned out together and um it felt so comfortable and safe playing with him and that's kind of the first connection that i remember with him and it was just we were just playing long long beautiful notes back and forth together so that's kind of the first thing that that I remember, so. Yeah, I think it just started on a, you know, a very, very uh, casual uh, level of every just, just like, but also a very, um, we were very careful with it. We were very careful. We were, ca we were, we were like casual enough with it to, to, to make sure we were both comfortable, but then also like I felt really careful about it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to sit here and like, I didn't want to dictate and say like, do this, play this, play this part here. You know, like I'd had that, I've had it, I've already had my fill of like telling people what, what I wanted to hear and what I wanted done. And so I was interested in being like, I was interested in just like Esther's just like her, her like emotional makeup and like the just, who she was as a person was more interesting to me than, you know, than any sort of musical thing. I was like, I was very interested in like her, what her emotional response was going to be to some, some music that I was going to put to her. And that, that ended up being like, I was like, wow, that's really rewarding. And so I was just very careful to not, not ever try and do too much of like, do this, do that. And as a result of just trusting 
someone, Esther, to 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 work on this stuff with me. It, it, it just naturally grew. It naturally evolved. It was like a it was it was a wonderful thing to be aware of. It was this evolution of working with another person and having that person's like just spirit and emotional makeup end up contributing so much more to the art that I was considering that I was it was it just blew my mind and it just naturally progressed and naturally progressed if that makes any sense absolutely so applying that to your artistic timeline where did song structure and you know the um I guess I guess there, there's a few threads on this. I'm not sure wh where exactly to point the question, but you know, where did singing come in? Where did the the evolution, or I don't want to say evolution, but the the shift from sound installation, improvisation, songs? You know, wh wh where was? Well, all those things are like again, those are just like progressions, right? Do you want to remain yeah. to me as like an artist? It was just like. As an, art, as an artist, you just yeah, remain. Exactly. I, I, I didn't want to say as a progression, like from improv to put improvisation below written songs or something like that, because yeah, I no. think they could be transcended. I get, what, yeah. I, get what, I get what you're saying. It's just sort of like it was it was more of a like. Do you remain static? Do you keep do you keep doing the thing that you right. know that people will like and that people will respond to? Right. Do you keep doing that? Because you can. A lot of people do it. You know, a lot, and, and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you've discovered something that you're really good at and comfortable with and people respond to it and that's your thing, go ahead. But it's just like, it, it wasn't true to me to keep, to keep going over the same ground, keep chewing the same food over and over again. Like I wanted to move on. I wanted to try something else. And I had no idea like where, you know, where it was going to lead me, I was just open to the idea of like changing, you know. And if you take it from like doing museum installations to like records with vocals on them, wow, that's it's that's, like your own Tarkovsky line, kind of. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a, it's you know, it's quite an arc, you know. But it's just like I follow that thing. I don't think that can be. A, I don't think that's. It's you know, so fucking cool. I don't know how many people like just say this straight up to you. Just so I want to like say it, just to make sure that at least one person in the universe has like just put articulated this. That doesn't exist. Like there is no one else that I can think of. Maybe you can name someone who has had an arc like yours, where you know museum installations, at, like the coolest fucking museum installations, the coolest. Uh, immersive sound like people do fucking sound installations every fucking day it's uh, i hate it it's such bullshit it's like you know wastes of these beautiful spaces and they just like they think that this whole you know getting people to be quiet for a few minutes is like the highest form of existence and like it's just you could do better and like you you know you you have distilled that in the peak way and then you've distilled, you know, Godspeed You Black Emperor style of like huge ensemble pieces of improvisation. Like you've distilled that. So like there's that record. There, there's like two or three of those records that are like peak of that sound. Like if you're into Godspeed You Black Emperor, these are like textbook. And then 
like you made a you know a, a full album that is just that is like songwriting and the, i i can't think of another artist or artistic project or collaboration or collective that has done all three of those things yeah, uh, yeah i just i can't think of one yeah, I guess because you're not supposed to. I think you're supposed to just, <laughs> like you're supposed to find the sweet spot and just kind of stay with it. And right, you know that's that's cool. That's that's really that's really great. But um, I think I've just been more interested in you know seeing where it, where it goes. You know, and like after making those like big huge things, I just thought would be wouldn't it be great to like fold everything in on itself and just like. Just, remove parts remove pieces and and try and still communicate a feeling or you know an emotion without you know 90 people you know so that became interesting you know emotively where do sound installations improvisation songs how do they make you feel differently or or is it different at all or is it just different times in your life i don't know i don't, i i i feel they everything hits everything hits you when it hits you for a reason and and it resonates with you when it resonates with you for a reason and there can't be any there can't be any uh there can't be any direction to that you can't just you can't just like make yourself be like, I'm going to respond to this, uh, you know, Stockhausen piece today. I think I'm just going to respond to this Stockhausen, you know, helicopter quartet kind of piece today. I think it's just, it's one of those ineffable things where you just can't, you can't describe. You just have to, again, it's just all about, you know, the art. I don't know, like, how you go about, like, when you're making your films. Like, I'm sure you, you like, anybody, you have, like, an outline and a sense of what you want what you want done but then there's a lot of stuff that just has to happen to you very personally i over prep and then i change it <laughs> <laughs> and like esther esther is like a musician she's like the most like talented musician i've ever worked with like she's just mm -hmm. like and to have her like you should explain exactly like where you come from as as like your training and and how that. Well, well I've been you. playing since, you know, for as long as I can remember. I've been playing music. I started when I was violin when I was five and piano when I was four. So it's just, uh, it's just, it's just what it's just an extension of me, I guess. And it's just what I do. So it comes. It comes very naturally for me to respond to or to to communicate with music. So, I don't know. I think it was like really easy, like when we first started collaborating, you know, I was talking to, you know, some of the Godspeed guys about coming up and working on some stuff. And I just like just mentioned it to Esther, like, do you want to come up to Montreal and work on this stuff? And she was just 
really open. She was just like, you know, and that was another a part, you know, another step on the ladder, you know, the rung on the ladder. Kind yeah, of thing. definitely. That was definitely, I would say it was life changing for me because it was really, it was really awesome going to this house in the middle of nowhere and working with these strangers and who were, they were really inviting and they, and they shared so much so much with me and we shared back so it was just a really special experience for me because it was like the first time i really did that so well, i don't think you really knew did you know too much about godspeed? i didn't i didn't know that much about godspeed at the time which was so, great so I, I, I thought that was i thought that was really great that it's just like the trust that was just like oh yeah do you want oh we're gonna go fly up to montreal and then drive for two hours out in the middle of you know, the woods in Quebec and go to a farmhouse and stay there for a week and just make music with some strangers. So that's what we're doing. Okay. That's got to be a cool experience going right in with, with a Godspeed kind of collaboration because it's pretty unique. There's not a lot of music out there that... Did my mic come out? Oh, no, it worked. Okay. Um yeah, I mean, were you aware of that style at the time? This sort of like operatic rock improv, you know? Um, yeah, at a learning curve. No, I wasn't really aware of what what their music was like. I was just playing. <laughs> I was just playing the way I play, and then listening to how they were playing. So. Just bouncing back and forth. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a really, you know, relaxed environment. And there was just so much gear. (laughs) So much gear to play on. And it was just sort of like, oh, Esther, do you want to go play that Fender Rhodes piano? Okay. You know, it was just like, do you want to play that, you know. There was just like so much gear to, to, to mess around with. And everybody's, there was just like, I think Esther being comfortable with, just having no idea who they were. I think that made them feel, you know, those people, I think that made them feel really comfortable. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a good time. If you're listening and you don't know, just honestly, rather than us explain, just hit pause and go on like allmusic.com or something like that in Google. I do a lot, by the way, guys, like, like I, I do a lot of it. I don't really like introduce anyone. I just like go in and use the time effectively and, like if someone wants to know who these people are, just like fucking Google it, and like you have all the information in the world at your hands. Just do that, and then like we're gonna talk about stuff that's like as if you've already done that. <laughs> More valuable, I think. Yeah. So what you you touched on a little bit is is you know the spatial aspect of recording, and that's something that I always see referenced, and you know it's it's rare that you look at the liner notes or whatever we call liner notes now, the Bandcamp. <laughs> descriptions and it's like recorded in a cabin in the woods recorded in a museum performed in a mausoleum you know things like, like you reference the cemetery piece yeah. where in your timeline i guess and and how do you feel about the importance of space in performance and recording um i think i mean the space definitely affects how I perform. Um, 
You mean like more recently recording with Martin at his studio? It has a very specific sort of. You're like in this cave, but it's like an old school. That's like, Martin BC from Sonic Youth and Swans. Yeah, in his in his place, you're like going into this. It's like a bat cave almost, but all of his gear is really like old and kind of. I don't know. It has mm. it's a like layer of like character. Yeah, there's character and there's like and when you go down to that huge basement or dink sort of area, there's just this like humidity or moisture in the air and there's like I don't know, and it just really affected the way that that the performance came out. And then when you're playing in like a mausoleum, there's this this like grandiose sort of the air just feels it just feels really open and spacious and you're playing with all these people and I don't know just just another feeling in that and that and that comes out and I feel that when I'm playing it comes out when I play too so I think you have to be in touch with it, it helps it helps to be in touch with the environment that you're you're recording and working in. And, you know, I think Esther hit it perfectly about Martin's place. It's like, you know, it's got really, really deep history to it in, in, in regards to the like, New York sound of, like, you know, 80s, 90s. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's, you know, a cavernous sewer, you know, and Brian, you know, Brian Eno bought him his board. And so it's got, you know, oh, wow. So you're working on the same board Brian Eno's worked on, you know, it's like, and then you contrast that with like, you know, this, you know, that beautiful cabin up in, up in the middle of the woods in Canada that we were talking about where they had everything. There was like all, all equipment you could need. Everything was beautiful. Uh, there was nothing that you wanted. There was, you know, like pinball machines. There was games. There was, you know, you could go snowmobiling if you wanted, you know, so like there's that kind of thing. And then there's, you know, a mausoleum, which is just when you go record in inside a mausoleum, it's like you, you have this feeling of like, you know, hundreds of hundreds of bodies, you know, deceased bodies in little tiny, you know, shoebox size holes all around you and urns everywhere and history. They're all those people, yeah. they're all there. They're all witnessing. They're all a witness to what you're doing. And you, you're paying attention to the beauty of the, the architecture of the of the space and like the natural reverb of, of this, you know, of being placing. Oh, yeah. Natural it, reverb in something like that. Placing, wow. placing a string, a couple of string players underneath a dome, you know, inside this mausoleum. It's just like it, you pay attention to the space and the space will speak to you. And the space will guide you and the space will direct you and, and help and it will help with the outcome if you let it. But, you know, it's so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. So, so do you, you don't you record studios, I take it. Oh, yeah, your microphone's right Sorry, uh, regular recording studios, not your thing. Yeah? Uh, not so much. We've done it. I mean, it's, it's fine. You can, yeah. You can, I've gotten, I've, I'll get work done, you know? It's just, 
you know, the added bonus of, of working and like uh, recording or performing in places that are outside the, you know, would you rather, for, for instance, okay, would you rather perform at, uh, you know, a, 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 the corner bar or would you rather perform, you know, at a, at a, at a beautiful public space? Mm-hmm. You know, with beautiful architecture around it, that had some thought into the architecture and design. I mean, right, right. both of them serve their purpose, and I've had good times performing in both of those, both, both, both places. You know, I'm not shit talking the, the corner bar, and I'm not like you know trying to be a snob about like playing in really great places. It's just what I'm trying to say is just like be open, be mm-hmm. completely open to wherever you are. What comes part really, of the collaboration? And, and really pay attention, you know, pay attention to where you are and, 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 and uh, allow it, allow it to help the performance, the, the record, whatever your project is. So you've, I've seen you use the, uh, the word phantoms a few times in reference to, to the music and the tone and my my favorite, you know, Alana, 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 um, but yeah, I've, I've seen you, you know, reference phantoms a few times and Alain robe Grier, who wrote last year in Marion bad collaborated with, with Renee on it. He always talks about phantoms and I've always thought of, um, him is really more the auteur of that film than Renee, because if you look at the rest of their catalogs, like that's what robe Grier did for the rest of his career in comparison to Renee, who did all these other things. Um, I, I was just wondering, like, when you reference Phantoms, like, was that, was last year in Marion Bad or any of those kinds of films? Like, are you familiar? Are you into them? Are you referencing? Um, we watched last year in Marion Bad. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, we watch a lot of film. We watch, like, yeah. you know, we watch, like, two films a day. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Regularly or just during every quarantine? Every no, every day. Amazing. Some- some days, some days where we get like three, three films <laughs> in a day, and that's not unusual. I mean, so I think film plays, you would agree, right? Unless it's sad and tango, then it's only one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, exactly. that's like eight hours, right? Yeah. Well, I was wondering if Rogue Grier was an influence on you. Like, uh, like Marion Bad specifically, but like in general, like how familiar you were with his work because it just, it feels evocative. You know, it, it, it feels as if you're familiar, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm familiar with um, with the um, with the with the Marion Bad movie, and it definitely like influenced me. But I don't know any of his. Do you know I don't know. I think all like we watch so much film that it, it can't help but inform, I feel like, inform what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I, if you sit there and like, you know, watch, watch the amount of film that we watch, it'd be, or, or say you're a complete, you know, uh, 
fine art freak and you go all over the world just looking at fine art. I, I can't help but think that that's going to have like some, it's going to have work its way into your process somehow, you know? Yeah. I mean, the name of your, of your, your, your artist project is, is after a Bellatar film. Right. Bellatar and, and that film, like work, my star harmonies just blew me the fuck away. When I first, when I first watched that, I had to, I, I remember I wasn't, I watched that like two or three times in a week the first time I saw it. I was wow. like, my week wasn't right, you know, after that. <laughs> I, just, I, I had like a lot of questions. And then I ended up talking to that guy and I thought he would be like really pissed that I kind of bastardized the name of his film. But he was <laughs> like really cool about it. He was, he was really just like uh, agreeable and, and pleasant and was like, you know, my girlfriend listened to your music and she says it's good, so I'm fine with it. So Amazing. Yeah, I took that as like a really, I was like... I, I was How did really, that connection get made? What's that? How did that connection happen? Oh, I got to ask to interview him for this website called The Quietest. Oh, cool. And so, uh, I just kind of, I forgot how we got put in touch, but it was just like, I ended up interviewing him a couple of afternoons. Uh, he was, I was in Chicago at the time, and he was in, uh, I want to say Sarajevo. And yeah, we just talked, and I, I was really nervous because I heard he was really an, like kind of a like difficult person to interview and talk to. So I had read some interviews that he had given, and he just just really was kind of raking the journalist over the coals. But he was completely the opposite with me just kind of he just sat there drinking beer and was like hmm. really chatty you know that's awesome what a cool experience so you watch a lot of movies I, I i'm super interested in just like your your day-to-day -day beyond that like mental diet kind of emotional diet like reading books meditation physical activity like i, I guess you know we're in the middle of quarantine now, so it's uh, it's different. But what do you like to feed yourself to get into creative states? Do you go in and out of creative states? You know, how, how does that all work for you? Um, well, right now, like since since this all started, I I started to go for I actually start my every morning with a walk in the cemetery at the Greenwood Cemetery. Oh, wow. And because um, when this started, the, um, the spring migration was happening. And so I figured I would just walk every day in the cemetery and go bird watching. Hmm. So, and then after the migration stopped, I decided just to continue doing the walk every day. So that's, and it's kind of, essential for me because it keeps me it keeps my mind in a good place i don't know like when i don't do it i feel a little bit edgy so i do that and i just go in and i walk through the cemetery and i i just take everything in so but she also like draws she catalogs and draws and documents where she saw <laughs> so we have this big map on the wall of greenwood cemetery and she's got these push pins or all the bird sightings and then oh, wow. sketches of uh, sketches of the birds with facts about them and what was happening that day. It was that uh, reminds me of Paul Auster. 
I don't know if you ever <laughs> read those books. Yeah. City of Glass. And uh, so there's there's that whole component of it that she's she's <laughs> she's leaving out, which is like kind of a huge component of like the art the artwork like the the uh, the artwork on the latest record Esther did with the the um, the Osprey right on the, on the cover. Uh, it was a Northern Goshawk. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then JR? I don't know. I, I feel I, I I don't feel really creative during this 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 quarantine business. I have like I, I remember when it first started, it was like great, lost you know, sort of lost our jobs and I was like, we're gonna have plenty of time to work on, you know, new creative things and it just, just wasn't coming, you know. It's not something you can it's not like a spigot that you turn on and off. You know, it just it, it comes when it when it comes and be ready when it comes and be open to it. But I haven't I haven't been feeling like really, really creative. We had a you know, yeah, because our album just was like released and then we were supposed to we were getting ready to go on tour and perform and then we had this set already and then and then it didn't happen, so it just felt it just felt odd. Yeah, everything kind of felt off. It was just like you know, we released the record in February, and you know, we had the the European tour all booked, and we you know had the record year. came out in February. February twenty, February twenty second. Oh my god! In my mind, it came out in November. Oh wow! <laughs> so funny. Yeah, no, it came out in, uh, well, I think, you know, they started. I mean, the singles came out earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the whole record came out before the end of the year. Wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't even realize. I mean, I don't know what day it is, what month it is right now. Like, I'm in space, but, like, that's crazy. I could have sworn it was a 2019 release. Wow. Okay. So everything, everything that we, all our energy that we had stockpiled creatively was geared towards this tour. And what we were going to do on this on this tour, and you know, we got plane tickets, we got gear reserved, we rent, you know, we paid for our merch to be shipped over, you know, uh, got a rental vehicle. Everything's all paid for, and then the bottom falls out, right? Well, so yeah. and then it's like, then it's just like stay home all the time. Yeah, because when you go on tour, there's this like release that happens when you perform the album night after night and it's and it felt like we had just built up all this energy towards it and then I don't know, it feels a little bit stuck. Like you want it to be released. Yeah, I just I just felt like the you know, somebody just pulled pulled the rug out or something that we were just like, oh okay, well you're not gonna you're not gonna have that creative release and and I was like, well, why don't you just do something? Why don't you just play a concert on your phone? And I'm like, I'm not interested in playing a concert on my phone. You know, I don't, I don't, I do it. It's not for everyone. It's noise no. in many ways. No, it's, it, to me, a live performance is very much like, I kind of like go, go along with like the Grateful Dead on this one, where it's like, you get, there's like a certain exchange, there's an exchange of energy between the performers and the people who are watching the performers, mm -hmm. right? The crowd. And when you remove one half of the equation, then 
it's no longer a live performance in my mind. I mean, it's just, that's my opinion that ceases to be a live performance when it's just like, oh, it's something else. Yeah. It's something yeah, else. Yeah. And it's like, were you like supposed- watching your audio tree thing is cool. It's not what yeah, I probably. think the album performed live would be, but it's, it's cool to watch it, you know? Yeah. It's fine. If you want to see, you know, if you want to see what we look like or something, yeah, like, exactly. there's, like, yeah. there's, here's that guy making a funny face while he plays <laughs> that chord, you know, or like, you know, here's, <laughs> Here's here's what Esther's elbow looks like, you know, and like it's it's like yeah. So I get that, but there was there was kind of a like we were kind of just running into a little bit of resistance of like why aren't you doing a live stream? Why aren't you doing a live stream thing? And we're just it's, like it's people who are just part of it, you know. It's people who are in the in the in the mix in the machine, you know. I, I'm this is the first time we're we're communicating, but just like my my background, just like really briefly, like heavy duty, you know, music industry background, um, record label stuff, touring stuff. I, I ran a department at Apple Music when we when we built it, um, very much in the machine. And then I removed myself a few years ago and went full on like art life and removed all of it. Um, but that is, it's incomprehensible to those that be in the machine why you wouldn't do that because that's just what you do and i have a i have a tough time i have a tough time with the actual concept of the machine right now i don't you know it's tell, tell me about that know, it's, it's I, just i agree yeah, i'm interested in what how you feel well the machine right now just seems to be like nobody's at the nobody seems to be at the controls and you who's know? it serving <laughs> who's exactly who's it serving like Who's Spotify? Who's 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 Spotify benefiting now? That you know it was supposed to. So so the, the rationale was like, well, we'll pay you three one hundredths of a penny each time your song is streamed, but don't worry about that because all those people are going to go out and see you tour. Right. Okay. Well, now the touring is not. That's not a, a part anymore. So like, what we're still supposed to just be happy with that three one hundredths of a penny, which never seemed like a really good deal to me. <laughs> you know it just seemed like a really good deal to me in the beginning but everybody was like no we have to everybody's just like we're doing this we have to make the industry healthy again we have to get the you know the the you know the overall music industry number up but it's like wait who's where's it actually going what does it actually mean it's just sort of sort sort of like talking about the stock market like the stock market Mm -hmm. is just like a like an indicator of like rich people's feelings or something. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it like, does, does it sell more tickets for me? Does it make those tickets more expensive? Does it allow me to tour more? Like, what does this have to do with anything? Yeah. Right. And what does this stuff like? What does that say to me? Like, well, how's that? Like, the stock market's, you know, the stock market's up today, but it's like, well, I look around my neighborhood. There's still there's like lines for the food for you know food pantry. Yeah. You know, there's just like that that. You know that doesn't. What's this I, a representation I, I of? Like trying to, you know, how do you correlate the two things? It's like I'm not doubting that the stock market is up. It's not like I'm sitting here going like, well, that can't be. But then I also like look around my neighborhood and I see, you know, I, I have like, I don't think I've ever seen this many people in line for a food pantry before to, to get like a free handout of food. Like I can, I can't, you know, it's we've scary. lived here. Yeah, we lived here for like four years, three, four years now, and I've never seen it before. You know, and like, so I'm just to draw the, to, to, you know, to pull the circle back around to the to music industry. I don't think anybody, anybody knows 
what any of the, you know, there's a handful of people that are getting really, really wealthy. And then mm-hmm. is everybody else just kind of working and just being like, look at me, look at me waving their hands, you know, like, look at me, pay attention to me. I am someone. It's the attention economy. Yeah. And now we're realizing that the, the word, you know, phrase attention economy, now it's being put in question because it's two words and it's, is it an economy when there's no exchange, you know, like well, you, where's the you, economy going? Are you a commodity or are you are you an artist or, or are you a commodity? Are you a, are you an artist who who puts out work or are you a curator of your existence? You know, I, I choose. I, I don't want to curate my existence. I'm not I'm not interested in curating my existence. I don't want you. To, I don't want to sit here and like chronicle every day the you know, sp- I don't want to spoon feed you every single day about like what what goes into this process, you know, I just want to work. I want to do it and do it. And, and like, I'm not interested in being part of, you know, a commodity of, 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 uh, in the music industry, I'm just interested in working and just like, and I'm really happy that people pay attention. Don't get me wrong. Really, really happy. It makes it thrill. You know, we don't, we don't talk to a lot of people and we're really happy to talk to you, but it, it, it's, it's like this, this, to be considered successful, successful, whatever that means now, you have to like murder somebody or somehow get attention to your, to your well, work. Well, there's this fucked up sensibility, like what you just said, you know, we're not anti-attention. We're not like, we don't, we don't talk to a lot of people, but we're still happy to talk to people. Like there's this very uh, disparaging, you know, destructive sense that if you don't do all these things that are really in my eyes are just fucking noise you know if you don't do all those things that means you don't want attention and it's like i don't think you know i i would i would look at your Bandcamp account and it's like they haven't released anything on Bandcamp fridays like that doesn't mean that they like don't want people they don't want their fan base to pay attention they don't want to be a part of the collective you know sharing of of art and and and, and understanding and creativity that just means like they're not doing bullshit. They're not like making stuff for the sake of just satisfying, you know, the fucking moment, the two second moment of like content. And I, I just, I, it's really damaging that there's this idea that like you're, it's, it's like they're putting words and feelings and opinions and strategies in your mouth, kind of. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like get excited every every third Friday of the month and go, <laughs> yeah. go out with my little go out with my little tin cup and start rattling my tin cup and saying, "Hey, could you throw three one hundredths of a penny in here or right. whatever? Or could you throw five bucks in here or whatever? You know, here's it's, something it's I, I, I just ridiculous. recorded the sound of my I just recorded the sound of my bathroom ceiling fan. That's why yeah. you piece. Like, do you do you dig it? You know, it's like I just rather just I think we would just rather just kind of like stay in the sideline you know it's just like stay you know make make sound when it counts you know make try and get you know and it, it's just different. put out a big body of work that is you know continuously valuable and and you know i listened today three or four times through the record and like i get a lot out of that right now like i don't really need you to put out a new one tomorrow like i'm okay for now <laughs> like you just gave yeah. us a lot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my dad, my my dad, my my dad and my uncle and my cousin all run record labels. 
currently like that's what they i technically have a record label but i don't give a fuck like i don't really do anything um it's like just inactive um but yeah i was talking to my dad yesterday or the day before and it was just like he was sharing with me oh yeah this guy sent me you know a and r stuff and like and and you know i responded and i was just like i have not you know with respect i know this is like your job but like i have no interest in listening to these like derivative works that are just filling, you know, competing for slots. I have no interest. It's just not where my head is at right now, especially given the way the world is. And we had like a nice heart to heart where he runs a record label. Like they have a bunch of artists. They're releasing music regularly. He has a staff of like, I don't know, 60, 70 people or something like that. They have to do stuff. They have to motivate. And my, my dad has to motivate them every day to, to be that their work is important, that making sure that the, the social posts for you know all the artists are crafted properly and are shared on all platforms making sure that we have an you know a content calendar for all the new assets coming out that is engaging i'm using all these you know opportune words like on purpose you know engaging the fan base and stuff like that we are you know collaborating with other artists to cross pollinate audiences like <laughs> it feels so fucking stupid and, and and like he and i yeah we, we were he, he was able to be just like straight up about it that, yeah it feels ridiculous to wake up every day given what's going on in the world right now and like create assets for artists to do you know it's it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> yeah I'm, i mean i'm trying to what i want to do is kind of see it from your from your dad's standpoint he, he's incredible at what he does and yeah, he's, he's, he probably and, and just to play you know devil's advocate here you know it's like he probably loves what he's doing he's probably really good at it and he probably just wants to be as successful as he could possibly be and he probably cares about the artwork and the artists and isn't that good to have like that somebody who's like caring and oh my god absolutely is, is in love with what they're doing and can think in ways that I can't think, you know, I can't, I can't think of all, all the jargon you just used. Yeah. Like those are words and phrases that I, 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 there's no way I could come up with them. And, but then like, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you've known them and your dad knows them, like <laughs> I, I can say is just like, that's, that's knowledge. And I, I respect and appreciate that kind of knowledge. And it's, 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 it's vital to the health of the artist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful that your dad has those kind of feelings for, for you know his work and i admire that i really admire that and i, I admire i admire i it, it, i have nothing but respect and admiration for it but the the sad truth is it's just like i'm i'm ill-equipped for that kind of i'm ill-equipped for that kind of mindset i i'm not good at it i think the admiration is even given what you know he's able to share with me like the admiration goes further because he can acknowledge the you know absurdity of what he's doing while still not only doing it but he's the one to motivate everyone and he's constantly Ooh. exploring how to motivate these people to do this thing that he feels is and i agree with him is vitally important to the health of of the world and artistry and and creativity and communication so it's so important that he does this ridiculous thing but it is ridiculous and it's really difficult right and like like i said i just don't think i would feel i i would not feel comfortable talking 
just like talking shit about people who, who are really successful and passionate at their jobs and have yeah. the skill to move to wherever this is going. If somebody's got like an idea and has a passion, they're, they're figuring it out. Has yeah. a passion for it and is figuring it out, then that that person, whoever they maybe have, has my respect. I, I, I have my respect and my admiration. And I'm sorry that I can't, you know, I can't share that, but it's like, I'm, I'm, you don't have to. I'm, I'm already, I'm doing my part. My part is to, exactly. you know, do this one thing. I can do that well. But I don't ever sit here and pretend that I'm good at it. You know, Esther doesn't pretend that she's like good at like being, you know, something, some, some part of part of some machine that she's not. You know, it's we we both feel that way. What's her relationship like with your record label, Thrill Jockey? Um, I think it's really good. I like Bettina a lot. And she's very honest and straightforward, and and I don't know, she's really supportive. So, and I like the other artists on Thrill Jockey as well. So, yeah, I love I love Thrill Jockey. I, I think Bettina likes Esther a lot more than she likes me. <laughs> I, think, I think that's absolutely clear every time we're all three of us are in the same room together. And I appreciate I being part of like Thrill Jockey. Because of just such a diverse, you know, lineup, and I've always respected, you know, the artists that that have been on that, that are part of the that whole family, and they've they've never done anything but treat us like like honestly. It was just there's like an honesty there. Patino Patino will always be you can, as sure as the sun will come up in the morning, and and set at night, she will be honest with you. She will tell you whether, uh, how things are. She will tell you how she feels about something. And she will tell you her expectations, which I feel that's kind of a rare commodity these days because, you know, you've just got like somebody will, will throw an opinion at you and they'll just be like, that, well, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. And they'll mask it as like, you know, put a bunch of masks on it. And you're going to be like, what, what are you trying to say to me? You know, and we don't. The non-committal, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just like, what do you, what exactly are you fucking trying to say? We like remove one of those five masks and dial in your opinion to a little bit sharper focus, so I can at least, at least, come to some sort of uh, cloudy understanding of what you're trying to say to me. I don't have to deal with that with with Bettina. That that's a framework around thinking and communication. That's I think really worth exploring for for any human being in that i think with our world of so much uh stimulus we tend to feel very um scared off of 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 being of of picking anything of of selecting anything and it tends to be because there's always a negative to anything that we commit to there's always someone that you're going to you're going to, you're going to miss out on, or you're going to offend or something like that. And, and what happens while you're building those masks is you're not going deep into the thought of the, the, the decisions of, you know, commitment decisions, they take energy and isolation. And when you don't do that, you end up with wishy-washy choices. And if that energy goes into the masks, then you're not only making wishy-washy choices, you're also communicating in a, 
in a wishy-washy way. So you have a wishy, you have, you have a, an opinion that you don't really necessarily fully believe in, and you're not even necessarily fully communicating it to the other person. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's where we are right now. We're finding ourselves as a society. We're finding ourselves mm-hmm. having to deal with just those very, you know, the ramifications of everything you just said. I think that's where we're at as a society. The FOMO is coming home to roost. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have to, we have to deal with, you know, so much disinformation and nobody wanting to be genuine and remove, you know, remove all the masks and just say, here's, here's the plain, here's the plain unvarnished truth. And this is, this is going to, uh, work for some of you and it's going to not work for some of you It's going to be positive it's going to be negative but here's what is happening and here's what we have to do and that's just that's just not happening it's just it, and we're seeing the we're seeing the results of that someone that comes to mind who is in my outside opinion like the antithesis of the idea that you just shared thor harris is like <laughs> the most <laughs> out there. This is who I am. This is my opinion. This is the kind of shit I want to make. These are the people that I think are doing a good job. He is like, t- t- talk to me a little bit about Thor, how you guys connected and how he got involved in the project. Mm. Well, I know that JR met Thor at a festival, uh, right? Yeah. I just met him. At a, at a party, at a, somebody's bar, barbecue party in somewhere in Texas. And we just kind of struck up a friendship from there. And he's, he, you're right. Everything you said about Thor is, you know, he is the most forthright, honest in who he is and completely comfortable uh, individual that I have, you know, come across. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. Yeah, he's, Thor Harris is lovely. Beyond lonely. Yeah, we love Thor Harris. He he, and he lives with his commitments, and he lives with who who he is, and he's he he's, oh man, that guy is. I, there's a reason why he, he is he is loved all over the world. There's you know there's a reason why people in Iceland. Well, if you mentioned Thor Harris, just you know someone at a rock concert or something like that in in Reykjavik, they'd be like Thor Harris. Oh lovely person just lovely <laughs> you know and like it, just anywhere in the world you'll you'll just hear people just say like what a wonderful talented person he is so yeah he's i love that it makes me think of uh, more collective ideas of sort of dark and light and the spectrum of of feeling around like i i, I just i'm almost done with it i've been milking it for a while but reading the uh, the swans book oh right yeah and so i'm like two-thirds of the way through i'm i'm i do like you know i'll do like five days in a row and then i'll let it sit for like months you know i let i like that's how i've been reading it um and a lot of what i get from it is that this paradigm of huge chaotic aggression and energy and force will 
be thrust upon the audience and 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 in many like I think that a lot of people could listen to your music and just call it dark or something like that, you know, or just call it sad or or hard tra- trauma, you know, I don't know. But the balance of of light and dark in the work and how that like I see your work as very inspirational and and bright it doesn't make me sad it doesn't make it makes me actually like happy (laughs) and and thor's drums thor's percussion i I shouldn't even call it drums he doesn't really play drums he plays things and he makes noises with them and no he plays drums we actually asked him not to play a drum kit on this oh cool recordings we were like we were like just don't he's he he was asking what 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 sort of approach we were we were thinking for him, and I was like, "Well, whatever you do, don't play a drum set. That's awesome. Play anything, play anything else that you got around your, you know, play play anything. Find things out in the yard. What did he play? What, what was oh, it? Oh man, he he, you know, he'd play like uh, these sheets of metal that he had in his yard. He played, he played the vibes. He played these the big like marching drums. He played a gong. He played these tiny cymbals. He played like little thumb pianos. He played, you know these cheap, like tiny little Casio keyboards. He played anything, but I don't think there's, I don't even think there's a snare drum on that record, hmm. you know, which is, which is great. You know, he, he, yeah, he just approached it. He totally embraced what we were, what we were putting, you know, putting to him as far as like what we were hoping to get. He just fully, fully embraced it and fully understood it. And there wasn't like a lot of, a lot of talk about it. He just did it and sent this really great stuff. Oh, did you record his parts remotely? Oh yeah, we like he was in Austin and we were here in New York and you know Esther and I tracked a bunch of stuff and then sent it to him in Austin and then simultaneously sent it to Jamie Stewart and he was in Los Angeles. And he sent it. You know they sent it back without hearing each other's contributions and then you know. Martin, Martin and I just put it all, you know, put it all together. Wow. Amazing how that all comes together. But it was like, it was, it was, it was all just like in descriptive language. Like with Esther, I know like the language is like not even necessary. It's not even like the language component is, is best left off, you know, with, with Thor, it's like the, the language component is very basic. Like don't use a drum set. You know, it's like almost Cohen-like, you know. And then with Jamie, with Jamie, it was like a little bit more particular, a little bit more refined. And that was okay because I can speak that language too. I can tell you what I want at three minutes. What's that like specifically? Well, specifically, it's like, okay, at three minutes and 46 seconds, there's going to be a complete break here from the previous structure that's leading into the, you know, the C section of this piece. And what I want is a vocal take like, you know, X song that you do on in Juju. And I want to, you know, through, you know, this particular microphone, and I want you to, you know, don't worry about reverbs or outboard effects. We're going to take care of all that. Just, you know, and make sure you send it to me in a complete timeline. So it's like very effective, like communication, like send me it from, you know, zero, even though you're not saying anything on the recording, just send it to me zero through 10 minutes and don't break it up. I'll handle all that. So, that's the kind of like the different levels of communication. I love, I love hearing that those anecdotes. It, it makes me listen differently. You know, I can, I can 
put that in my head when I'm hearing this shift. If this anecdote is in the Swans book or not, but uh, Thor told us this really great anecdote about uh, when they were in the recording studio and and uh, he, he was Michael Girard was having a, a difficult time with something. Something was causing a, a difficult time, and and uh, apparently Michael can be very uh, when he's having a difficult time can express that very clearly. That <laughs> all time. And Thor, Thor decided that you know was at a point was at a place where he he yelled at Michael Gerard, and that so shocked Michael Gerard. He said Michael Gerard said it was like being yelled at by Santa Claus, <laughs> and I just I just love that anecdote about about Thor because I can't ima- ever imagine what it would be like to be yelled at by Thor Harris. That's funny. So I mean that 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 goes into you know I, I was roundabout. Uh, honing in on these like to to a golden retriever to someone who is unfamiliar how would you and this might not this might just be like it's it's inarticulatable (laughs) um but like the way that swan's music and thor's music and your music is not just like sad bastard music it's not just gloom and goth and dark. Like, how do you, you know, the way that I get inspired and it makes me want to love when I hear your music. But there's, there are people who listen to it and are just like, they associate it with just, you know, darkness. Nick yeah. Cave goes into that conversation. How, how do you articulate to someone that balance? Mm, I, would, I would just say to that person, just approach it, approach it like, like, we create and like, you know, we, we fearless, just be fearless. Don't go into it with, with, uh, preconceived notions and, and, and any sort of fear about what you should be listening to. The reason that you're able to pay attention to the, the lightness in, in the message that we're trying to cre- uh, convey is because you're open to it and it is certainly there, you know? So, but if you had a, like, if you were, you had a fear of, of the light and just only wanted to see the darkness and well that's all you would see you know and if it, it, it so I, I i would just recommend to the golden retriever to just be fearless and just be open because that's that's the way that's the spirit that we created it esther i don't i can't speak for esther but i she doesn't seem to be like trying to generate dark and fearful kind of emotions when she's playing No, uh, I don't. Sometimes I am. Right? Oh yeah, you 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 are dark. <laughs> <laughs> You're dark as fuck, but I'm saying like you know, always dark as fuck. Yeah, not all the time. That's what I meant. I meant to say not is like, all the time. you know, hundred percent. Like every single take, you're not like I'm gonna be dark as fuck no, during this. Oh no. Just like no, deal I'm not. With it. No. <laughs> Sometimes she comes out with something so beautiful, it just breaks my heart. Yes. She comes out with some. She comes out with some just beautiful language on her on her instrument, and it just like fucking makes me want to cry, <laughs> or it makes me just like makes me so joyous. It's like it's like she. I remember this one time, Esther, you came up with like this double piano part, and I was just like fucking. It's just like a ray. It was just like joy. It was just like joy, hearing it. I was just like that is the sound of joy. And how can it? How can it not be construed as such? How can that not? How how could you say 
that is not so. That is dark. Because like, it's not. It's fucking beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing ever. Parse that as a restless journey beginning in the middle of the night and ending in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. What? What's... Um... I wasn't I wasn't happy with that choice of we as it was just too British. Was oh, no, did you not write that? We didn't write that. No, that oh, was funny. Our, our our guy from Matt from Thrill Jockey, who happens to be British, so he's It's funny, you know, I wrote the note differently. I I paraphrased it and then right before I like finished my notes, I went back and I was like, Oh, you know what? Let me like actually just like say it the way that they said it. But I paraphrased it. I used the word dawn sort of instead like, of the wee hours of the morning. We're all at the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> yeah, it didn't feel very Wreckmeister Harmony. I think I wrote a restless journey beginning in the middle of the night and ending at dawn. That was how I, uh, how I heard it. I'm, w- I'm with you on that. <laughs> okay. We're with you, Sean. Uh, where, so I mean, that journey a little bit, you know, again, we're talking about ineffable shit, but like, I I guess, I guess the reason why I ask some of these questions are because I've spent a shitload of time getting myself to a place where I think that I can hear what you're doing. And I want more people to, I want to, I want to like the purpose of talking to you. Mm-hmm. is for me to try and distill for someone else. This is how I see it, you know, for, for, for me to one plus one this into like someone else being able to listen to your music and get the experience that I have that wasn't able to do it before. Right. So when I, if I, if I gave someone six songs and that sentence, there's a lot of people who I know won't get there. They right. won't understand how this is middle of the night to the wee hours of the morning or dawn or however, you know, what have you. <laughs> but uh, I, I love those, those epiphany moments. I love when there's someone in my life who, like I took someone, you know, I don't know if you know the band, but like, you, you, you know, show me the body in New York. Oh, sure. Okay. So like I took someone, I was with someone like when they, when it connected and I was just like, oh my God, like, like I had played it for her for a long time and, and it never connected. And then I took her to a show and, and I just watched her face and I saw it connect. Mm-hmm. And I fucking, I was, I was just so like, she thought it was angry music, you know? <laughs> and when she realized that it was joy, I was just so happy, you know? So I don't know. I mean, wh- where did that sentence come from? The restless journey? What is the restless well, journey to you? Just kind of like, well, I think. I was trying to describe to uh, Matt. He, you know, he was like, "How would you, how would you describe this record to people?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, it's just sort of like what happens to you when you have insomnia, when you, you know, from you know that one hour at the at the top end, we realize, well, I'm not, I'm not, nothing's happening. I'm not going to sleep, and then that entire journey all the way up to you know when when things start getting gray and light out." And like everything that's that happened all during those hours, that was what I, I felt like the record was the record was about, and I just kind of gave that to him, and he came up with that you know that sentence structure about it. I don't know if I could ever I don't I don't think I could ever explain to people why you know what they should get out of what we're doing and how you know I can't I don't think I could break it down into a formula of being like this is this is what you should be getting from it. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, it's, um, just so I try and give people exercises kind of like thinking about like, think about this when you're listening and con you know, conjure like yeah. just, just frames for people to lenses, you know, for people to, to, to listen through or watch through or read through. Yeah. I just think it's like, we, we did our work. We, 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 we made the thing, right. And however, however you respond to it, that's your thing. That's entirely your thing. And I can't dictate to you what your response should be. You know, and I can't, I can't be, uh, I, ca I can't try and be. Can't hand, you know. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't be responsible for like your, like how you're supposed to feel about it. You know, I can't. I, I love can't. that you create metas for your, for your work though. You know, like the Bobby Beausoleil interview anecdote. Like, I love that that sure. there's you know the books that inspire things i love that you have that framework it, it's so empowering to the work i feel yeah i mean and like for for this one i think the closest i could we could come up with was like go read marcus aurelius go read meditations right and 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 actually also just look around you just look around you and react to what what you're seeing you know and here also, here's this antidote about, you know, insomnia. Are I'm you religious? A, no. No, I'm not religious. Have I've, you ever, were you raised with religion? Yeah, I was raised, I was raised, you know, in, you know, the, the Catholic church in, in Boston. I saw it up close, you know. But, um, yeah, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a religious person at all. You know, I can, I, I can understand it. And I really don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think religion is serving anybody any good. I think the idea of God is not serving anybody any good. It's just, uh, it's just corrupt and uh, it's really just, at this point, causing more harm. I understand why God was probably very important in the Middle Ages, but at this point, I can't really understand like, why anybody would be like, oh yeah, it's just, God's a real person. It's a real, you know, this is a, this is a real entity up in the sky that's, you know, judging me and, and, and is going to dictate how things are going positively or negatively. I just don't see it. I don't see yeah. how any rational person could. Do you follow, do you, do you, any kind of ideology? Is there, you know, even like a meditation practice or a doctrine or I don't know, spirituality? I, I think meditation and getting uh, as close as you can possibly get to your understanding your own your own conscious awareness. Now that's a completely different thing. And yeah, I think that's a valuable uh, use of anybody's time. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I I I do I do think that's important. Religion that's complete, but that's a completely different thing from religion. Do you have a practice? Do you study? I, I practice, uh, you know, every day, like an hour and a, like an hour and a half of, of silent meditation every day. Oh, wow. That's that's major. Uh, well, I mean, it's I do my 20 minutes. I try and do it every day. I try and do it twice a day. But I, I, I very yeah, an hour and a, it's an hour and a half a day. And it's it's it's, it's a very important part of my life. And it's very yeah. important part of my life to try and understand, you know, as much as I can about conscious awareness and, you know, the, you know, the illusion of the eye, you know, that there's, you know, yes. 
this, you know, there is, there is no I. Do you, do you, do you mantra? Do you just go completely, you know, what, what do you do when you're in there? Well, Vipassana based, I think I pay a lot of attention to the breath. You know, I just sit there and become really uh, focused on breathing and, and that, that helps to quiet the mind. Esther, are you in, into similar practices? Mm, no. I would say you're walking the cemeteries every day. Is... JR calls my walks in the cemetery walking meditations, but, <laughs> I, but I just like walking in the cemetery. But I don't have any meditation practices. But I think it's, but I can understand, I, I understand the benefits of meditation though. That's, <laughs> that's all I have to say. No, sure. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> what gets here? You end up. Oh, your microphone's cutting out again. Okay, so fun stuff like i know you know tell me like music like music you've been listening to what do you really love um music this is just kind of all over the place lately i'm listening to um a lot of skip spence that that or record yeah listen to that uh always listen to pink floyd at least a couple times a week, listen to Pink Floyd. Um, Sid Barrett? No, I'm more of a David Gilmore guy. Although, okay. I cut off Pink Floyd at the wall. I don't, even the walls, okay. you know, at, at, everything after the wall is kind of not my, not my jam. But I like everything, okay. up to, I like everything up to the wall. You know? I love the Sid Barrett solo records. Those are like my whole Oh, career. yeah, the Sid, the Sid Barrett solo records are beautiful and tragic and all those things. Yeah. And fragile they're the most fragile records ever made oh my god yeah yeah for sure um i've been into numero groups what was it bliss bliss and bliss out for days yeah bliss out for days playlist it's just a bunch of like new agey sort of stuff that they put together and add to and things that's um, cool i like listen I'm listening to listening to lots of Ellen Fullman lately. She does this sort of really meditative, sort of droney, beautiful stuff that I like too. Sun Ra. Oh yeah, Sun Ra. Good old Sun Ra. Sun Ra, cool. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you know, I know everything is still evolve you know still still un unraveling unrolling but like i don't know what do you think's next for all of us for you too mm, i don't know we'll probably get back into the practice space and mm, at some point at some point i'm gonna watch a couple of movies tonight oh tonight, yeah. tonight what, we're gonna gonna, what are you gonna watch okay yeah like <laughs> what, what are you Esther's like the curator of the film festival. It's called the Every Night of Criterion. Like, what, what movie? What do you use? Yeah, Criterion Channel's great. Yeah, it's so good. Just maybe we get picked up for tonight. You know? I want to watch. I recommend movie also. M U B I. 
M-U-V-I? Yeah, it's great. It's one a day, and it's, uh, it's, it's criterion-level curation, but also a lot of new stuff. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. Well, I was, I was going to start off with um, Mar Maurice Pialatzlulu. Mm-hmm. Because I've been like, I liked some of the other films, so I want to watch that one. It's been in my queue for a while. And I don't know what else after What are we that. watching tonight with Shock Carter? Oh, oh Shock, Shock Carter. Carter, cool. Oh, man. You Graceless Serpent the Graceless Serpent. Oh, man, have you seen that? Yes, I, I, I saw it recently, actually. You loved it. I think the filmmaker died, like, just now. Really? Wow. I think so. Something happened. I'm pretty sure the filmmaker just died. Um, so some there was some news story that was not good around the film. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty crazy film. Mm, yeah, um, I'll give you guys my Dropbox. I have a Dropbox that I make that I just like put a lot of books and uh, and films in, and oh, it's yeah. just like all my favorite shit. Uh, it's not, I don't, I don't put like thousands in. I have like, you know, 50 at a time, maybe. And, yeah. um, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it would make me, make me happy to share that with you guys to know that those influences are, are headed into wherever, whatever your creativity. Oh, and Esther's yeah. been making kombucha. <laughs> oh, I just I just ran out. I have like a source here. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Mexico, and I have like someone who gets me this local kombucha. But I just ran out. I think I have like a half a bottle left for today. I need to hit her up. Yeah, now I'm gonna hit her up and get more. <laughs> no, but you should. Oh, I can, you should start. How making, do I do it? You just need to have access to um, tea, sugar, and have a kombucha starter, and you can make your own scoby. And then from there, it just it just keeps going and going. The scoby keeps giving, and you just need tea so and sugar. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm a big tea person. Uh, I, ideally, like these episodes should be like in person over actual tea. Um, like I source my tea in Japan and China and Taiwan, all over the world. But uh, I've never made kombucha. But I should. It, but it's really easy. You should do because I just started it when the pandemic started. That's so it, cool. And now I just have like I have so much kombucha now. It's because oh. it just growing. You know, maybe you've been there, um, right next to you know Hollywood Forever Cemetery in, in mm -hmm. L.A. I just Baru. Do you, do you know that B A R O O? Uh uh. Mm -mm. So it's this Korean uh, fermentation restaurant. And now they have, I don't know what's open currently. They, they kind of like, it's seasonal almost. Like they go back and they get ingredients and then they come and then they, they ferment. Um, but it was in a strip mall, the 7-Eleven right next to um, Hollywood Forever. Uh, it was in there for a few years. And then they moved to a little uh, flea market thing a little like nearby. But I don't know where they are, you know, today, obviously, they're closed. But uh, it, it, they, they have, like, always a few different kombuchas. And all the food is, like, these crazy, like, month-long fermentations. It's, it's incredible. Bon Appetit magazine named it, like, best restaurant in the country. It's amazing. I'll check that out, too. Yeah, A-R-O-O. -O. Fermentation, too. Like, because I started making my own yogurt as well. Wow. And He's the way to to like ferment, do like 
lactic fermentation of like various like of vegetables and stuff too so yeah it's such a cool process like when i i know so little about it but i just i love fermented tea like puer and stuff like that but i don't really know any of the the chemical processes behind it but i love the food and the drink yeah yeah well guys thank you this is so this is so awesome i have like you know I have I have all these like random anecdotes, but I I, I wanna I wanna let y'all get back to your fermenting and uh, <laughs> watching. I'm I'm gonna send you some shit, and uh, I I love what you do so much. It's so valuable to me. So so you know connecting with you is is really special to me, and I really 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 appreciate it. Thanks so much, John. Thank you, Sean. This was really great. Yeah, and hopefully if you. Get back to New York and yeah. I'm debating it right now. Like I'm calling my parents in a little while. Uh, I'm supposed to go to Venice, uh, you know, fingers crossed, like to premiere my film. But uh, I don't know if it's gonna happen. And I was just like thinking about it. Like I'm kind of like I don't really need to keep like staying in the middle of nowhere, Mexico. And I was thinking about it. Like maybe I'll rent a house on the beach in Rockaway. And (laughs) That was my that was my thought yesterday of like yeah. maybe that's my next thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Learn yeah. to surf. I don't know. But maybe I'll be back and I'll let oh. you guys know. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good, Sean. All right, awesome. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of the week. So good to connect and thank you again. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.